Blog Talk Radio. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. I'm here today with uh, Marja Wade Barrett. Say hi to everyone, Marge. Hello. Hello, everyone. Great. Hello, great. Mike. Before I go go forward, let me tell you a little bit about who's going to be on the show uh, on future episodes. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to have John Carroll. He is one of the two founding partners of Aquarius uh, Staffing, and John and his partner, created the company from nothing. He's one of these guys who made a company in his second bedroom. And you'll hear the story of how he grew his company into a multi-million dollar a year company and he's experiencing high growth in the staffing industry. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking to Ruth Ellabush, who's a eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapist. And she's going to be talking about how our brains work and how we, we can become more efficient in our trade or occupation. We'll talk a little bit about how we've used it to help certain salespeople. Next Friday, the 20th, we're going to be talking to Cliff Blaylock. He's a CPA, and he does a heck of a lot of work with people who are using the QuickBooks software product. On the following week, Thursday, which I guess is two weeks from today, we're going to have Jody Schmidt-Gosling. She is the Eastern President of Possible Worldwide. That's the one of the area's largest advertising agencies and creative agencies. And she's going to be talking about how she sees things moving. Uh, in that same vein, on Friday the 27th, we'll have Ken Saunders who'll talk about search engine optimization. Uh, following week, August 2nd, we'll have Rick Slifer, who is a consultant now, who teaches other people how to sell their services to our federal government. He did it for a lot of years, and he now teaches people how to do that. And in that Friday, on August 3rd, we're going to have Don Keller, who is the new president of the downtown Cincinnati Rotary Club. And Don is going to bring a guest with him. He's going to bring a former president of the Rotary Foundation. Let me tell you a little bit about Marsha Wade Barrett, who is an author, and her business is all about business manners for success. Marsha has written two books. She's a national speaker, trainer, consultant, on etiquette and social skills. Her second updated book, Business Managed for Success, helps people navigate diverse business and social situations. You started this business, Marja, in 1985? That's correct. Okay, that's a long time ago. I I started as a Sandler trainer in 92. All right. And I became a client in Los Angeles for them and for me, actually, in 88. So you've been in business for yourself a little bit longer. 
you, you started teaching etiquette to children and young people at the Hilton Netherland Plaza Hotel downtown Cincinnati. You had a successful career in the fashion field as a professional model. Still good looking. Thank you. Everyone can see your picture. Thank you. you just look like a model. And you were the managing director of the Kathleen Wellman School of Fashion and Modeling in Cincinnati. Thousands of people have benefited from your business seminars and classroom sessions, guest appearances on nationally syndicated newspaper articles, radio broadcasts, and television. Marja is a consultant to top businesses. In-house clients include Fortune 500 companies, help in the healthcare and financial services industries, as well as the federal government agencies and the hospitality industries. Local schools that are clients and colleges include Villa Madonna, uh, Thomas More, Northern Kentucky University, and the University of Cincinnati. Marge has been honored by numerous organizations, including the Cincinnati Inquirer's Woman of the Year, the YMCA Administrative Management Association, International Tr Training in Communications, well, here's a dubious one, the Internal Revenue Service. Yeah. You. What, yes, what, they did. What did yes. they honor you for? Well, it was the Federal Women's Program. Oh, um, okay. I worked with them. And that was when I first started my business. Yes. Okay. Central Region of the Federal Women's Program, yes. the House of Rep Representatives of the Commonwealth of Kentucky and the City of Cincinnati. That's right. That, with, that was my work that I did with the, some of the inner city youth. Okay. In, in, in her life, she's got supporting organizations such as Dress for Success, American Business Women's Association, serving on boards of the Women's Writing for Change, Cincinnati Scholarship Foundation, the Kentucky Symphony Orchestra. Are you yes. a musician as well? Uh, no, I was on the board and chaired one of the galas. Okay. Yes, and continued to support that organization as well. Not only the Kentucky Symphony Orchestra, but Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. Okay, that's yeah. good. We need more music. Well, we've got it right now in Cincinnati with the World Choir Games, you know. Yeah. You know, yes. They were really good. They they came out to a uh, a Rotary uh, meeting this afternoon. Mm -hmm. You're also a member of the Heritage League. It's the Northern Kentucky Heritage League, and I'm past president of that organization. And, and what does that really do? Uh, they do a lot of, it's not not so much historical as it is uh, just making people aware of all of the, well, yes, historical things that we have in our area on both sides of the river, mm -hmm. Indiana, yes. The Christopher Gist Historical Society. That's right. Christopher Gist was one of the early surveyors for George Washington, yes. He worked for George and, Washington. Yes, right? he worked for George Washington, and we give um, four scholarships every year to uh, uh, to seniors graduating from high school. Each yeah. one of those are worth about a thousand dollars. That's great, and, and you're the president elect of the Rotary Club well, of Covington. Well, not president elect. That must be. I guess I. Well, all right, I was president president of the club up until January July first of this year. So I am finished with my presidency. Oh, good for you. You travel extensively, uh, I guess, in, yes. in, in learning international customs. That oh yes, oh yes, because when I'm doing seminars, it's I, I like to be familiar with the customs of the different countries that I am, um, that people may be going to, and so this gives me firsthand knowledge by doing travel. Right, and you live in yes. Fort and Mitchell. Living in the culture, yes, I live in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. With three cats. With three cats, absolutely. Yeah. I had two, but I rescued one from the snow last year. Okay. And she is a keeper. A keeper. Yeah. Okay. Good. Why don't you tell me how you got your business started? 
Actually, it wasn't something I intentionally set out to do, Mike. You mean you didn't go to college to become a business no, etiquette not at coach? No, not at all. In fact, if someone had said to me, I'm going to teach business etiquette, I would have probably said, I don't know about that, you know? I was with a fashion and modeling school for many years, and we did teach social skills. And I always thought, while I was with the school, I always thought these would be good for anyone to know, not just somebody who was entering the fashion field. Mm -hmm. This would be good for someone who was, you know, working in corporations. And I always thought, well, maybe one day I'd be a business consultant. Um, after I left the agency, and it was either leave the agency or buy it, you know, but at that point I thought, it's time for a change. And I was a bit tired of doing bridal shows on Sundays, for example, you know, and it's just, and, and judging beauty contests and all this. Anyway, um, I left and really just got involved in volunteerism, and that was when I went to the YWCA and offered my services, and we set up career counseling service. And um, it was a couple of years later uh, that someone said, who knew my background, happened to be Marilyn White, uh, who was with the Post at the time, and um, she knew my background, and she said the Netherlands Plaza wanted to do a children's etiquette program. Would I be interested? And Mike, you know, at first I really didn't think I was because I thought, you know, I, I've been working with children for so many years. I wasn't sure I wanted to go back into it. Mm -hmm. But um, what happened, I did it, and we were doing a program once a month, but the Netherlands asked me to do a program for the general public and for their staff. And they were amazed at all the questions that came about. And it just, and then the Enquirer covered one of my seminars um, in, in the entertaining and dining etiquette. We called it executive etiquette at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was a uh, full page in the newspaper, and it hit the newspapers from coast to coast and immediately put me into business. So that was the story. That's how I got started. You asked me the question, and I gave you the answer. Okay, and that was back in 1985. That's right. That's right. And I've been doing children, adults, corporate, mm -hmm. all kinds of organ every type of organization you can imagine. So you do all the work yourself, or do you have other people in your No, I them? work solely uh, on my own, yes. Okay. So uh, you have at this point, I am working solely, yes. Yeah, so you have the toughest boss in the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, when, you, uh, when you look at the, uh, the business marketplace today, and we had a couple, tough couple of years for a lot of companies here in the last two, year, two or three years, uh, do you see business, businesses investing more in their people in terms of teaching them etiquette? Yes, I see this both in um, in the business world and also in the um, nonprofit sector as well, because it, it's all the more important for people to um, put their best foot forward, uh, to have good social skills, to have people have a good experience with them when they are interacting with them, to retain that person, to have that person come back to that business again. Uh, these are all social skills that people can easily learn. Mm -hmm. It's not something that takes a long time to learn. It's, it can be quickly learned, and you know yourself in the kind of training you do that um, you see the light go on in somebody's eyes when you have mentioned something and they think, oh, I didn't know that it was that easy to do. Mm -hmm. So in, in today's marketplace, how are you going to market? Using Are you using your book as a marketing tool? My book is definitely a marketing tool, but, you know, I've been in business so long, and in my area, it's, in my area, it's kind of a niche field, and my name is out there. 
So most of my clients do come in through word of mouth, which is good. You know, the companies that I worked with, um, the organizations, the hospitality industry, you know, people will call them and say, who does this? And they will be referred to me. Uh, the program that I've been doing with uh, Protocol with the World Choir Games came through a friend that I worked with when she called me to do a program for Villa Madonna College several years ago. And so, um, I, and, and that's good too. You have, you build your network this way. And believe me, I've had many years to build my network, Mike. Well, you've been in the, been in the uh, your business that you're, you're in since 1985. Yes. And I have people who come up to me when I'm out at social gatherings and will say to me, I remember when you came and did a program and they'll mention the place like, you know, Good Samaritan Hospital or something like that. Expecting me to maybe remember who they are. Right. <laughs> Doesn't always happen. I know. I've had that problem, too. <laughs> yes, yes. I have a hard enough time remembering the people who bought. <laughs> and, and a couple of weeks ago, a guy <laughs> says, don't you remember me? I came to a program and said no oh, yeah. 20 years ago. And I said, no. Oh. Are you sure you were there? Yeah. But, you know, you know, talking about that, that's something someone should never do when they go up and introduce themselves to somebody and say, oh, I bet you don't remember me, do you? very can create an awkward situation. Now, we're going to take a short commercial break. Right. And remind me to come back to that. All that's right. A, that's an interesting story. We're going to take a uh, short commercial break. If, if you want to call in and ask uh, Marsha a question about business or social etiquette, the number is 646-595-4916. That was 646-595-4916. Why do some business owners make lots of money while others endure years of mediocrity? Is it really the economy, the market, the weather, the competition? No. These are all called excuses which are always plentiful. Hi, I'm Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sandless sales trainer in Cincinnati. As a business owner or part of a team, are you accepting excuses from your sales team because you make them yourself? Business winners succeed in spite of this trash. Business winners invest in themselves and their people. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing your sales, call me at 513-646-6523. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. To find out how Sandler training can make you better, faster, and stronger, call 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth. Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 or check our website at rothconsulting.com. 
net. Mike Roth back with Marja Barrett. We were talking about going up to someone before the break yes. that you met many years ago. Yes. And I'll tell you, two story happened uh, last year, or at least in the second half. In the mid-'80s when I was living in Los Angeles, I went to a place called the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, California. It was a small club, and I was sitting in the front row, and the uh, guest was Jim Stafford, who had the, the hit song, uh, A Boy Named Sue. So we went down to uh, Branson, Missouri uh, last year, and Jim Stafford had his own theater there, and he had a show. So I went up to the box office, bought a couple of tickets for me and my wife. Lo and behold, front row center. Loved it. So in Branson, have you ever been there? No, I haven't. It's different than other theaters. Okay. Uh, They're kind of friendly. During the intermission, aside from selling candy bars and sodas and pop, the performers sit on the forestage and they talk to audience members. That's nice. That's friendly. Yep. So I went up to Jim Stafford and said, hey, remember me? I'm Mike Roth. We met in 1985 in Hermosa Beach. (laughs) He looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. (laughs) And he says, yeah, I I, I do vaguely remember playing the place. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny, yes. But uh, it's interesting that you brought that point up. Well, you know, speaking about introductions, one of the things that I tell people in, in the programs um, is when you are when you go someplace and you see someone, um, you go up and you do a self introduction, you know, hello or you know, hi, I'm Marja Barrett, and then you should say right, maybe I've forgotten your name. If you're not wearing that name badge on your right hand shoulder, I might have forgotten your name. But if you say then right away, yes, I'm um, Tom Jones. Um, you know, uh, then you've done a self-introduction. But it's also a good idea to say, hello, I'm Marja Barrett. Um, We met, um, if they don't say right away, you know, who they are. We met a few weeks ago, um, and tell me your name again. You know, it's okay to go ahead and do that uh, rather than try to stumble around and try to figure out where you knew him from. Yeah, sometimes it's really hard. Uh, Let's... uh, you know what I forgot to do, Marsha, in introducing you. I forgot to tell people how to get in contact with you after the show if they want to talk to you about a right. etiquette or social manners right. situation. How do they get a hold of you? Well, the best way is just to e- email me, Marja Barrett, M-A-R-J-A-W-B-A-R-R-E-T-T at gmail.com. I will get it, and I'll answer your question. Good, good. Uh, in uh, thinking about your specialty area, uh, what are the uh, opportunities that people miss in using good etiquette? The opportunities uh, that they miss in not using, not using that's correct. good etiquette. Well, they may miss a promotion. Mm. You know, today, uh advancements and promotions are not just on your skill in your job. Very often there may be a um, an event planned, a holiday gathering, a company picnic, 
and the higher-ups are going to be watching to see who stands out in that crowd. And, you know, if they're impressed with somebody and they notice that someone really get, becomes engaged with their clients and with their customers, uh, they're going to take note of that. And that's the person that's going to be promoted, perhaps over someone who may have the same skill set but may not be as good in the social skills. So whether it's the, um, you know, the swim party or the, you know, company picnic or whatever it is, that's when you really want to dress appropriately. You want to interact with the, with the higher ups. Just don't go in and sit with the people from your own department. These are times when you mix and mingle. And also if you are entertaining clients, let's say at a baseball game, or it could be the opera or something to do with the World Choir Games, you interact with your clients and with your customers. You don't just stick with your buddies. These are the times when people are relaxed, and the chances of them being more open with you are great because they may say something to you about perhaps some of a company expansion that they're planning in the future. So it will give you information that will serve you down the road in serving your clients. Right. So you have a couple of areas that uh, people are always asking me about. A few year, Many years ago, there was a book called Dress for Success. Yes. Um, I like to call the book a good book, but it's got the wrong title on it. Yes. And I like to call it Dress for Your Prospect. Yes, that's and, very good. And, very good. And, and, and possibly even as a salesperson, one step below where they're dressed. Yes. So if you're going to call mm-hmm. out, Call on a construction company owner in the construction trailer at four o'clock in the afternoon. I tell them, "Hey, wear uh, construction type boots, steel tip, preferably stained yes. with cement, jeans, yes. Yes. and a, and a uh, don't wear a white shirt with a tie. Yes, <laughs> wear a well, polo. Yes, well, you know that goes into we feel most comfortable with those people who are most like ourselves, and if we are dressed." Similarly to the other person, it shows that you understand. I had a woman who was a graphic artist a number of years ago, and she said to me, uh, she worked for a corporate in a corporate office, but she said, um, I'm sorry, she, when she had an appointment at a corporate office or a lawyer's office, for example, she said, I always keep my navy blue suit in my closet just in case I have to go out for an interview. So she would be dressed appropriately for that. Um, you can't. Uh, you you have to think about who you're interacting with. If I'm working with children, I'll wear a kitty cat pin, mm-hmm. you know, just to, and I'll wear something perhaps in a pastel shade. If I'm going into a corporate office, I'll wear darker clothing. And if your audience is very large, I would probably wear darker clothing. With a very small group, I would be a little more flexible and uh, be a little uh, looser or. I would be dressed appropriately, but I would think about who am I interacting with. That's yeah. right. Uh, a few years ago, I had a call on one of the larger corporations, public companies in town, and I was there on, going to be there on a introduction call, and called the guy, he invited me out. Uh, in, in sales, we don't here at San Luis use the word the A word, appointment, yeah. because that causes the prospect to put their guard up. So we only go out where we're invited in. That's a good word. We work on invitations. Yes. So I was invited in uh, Thursday morning, and he worked in the main corporate headquarters. 
And after I hung up, I said to myself, how the heck am I going to get dressed for that, that day? Because the Rotary meeting, you wear a business suit, white shirt, and tie. And I didn't want to be dressed inappropriately for the prospect. So I called back the next day, spoke to his administrative assistant, and I said, how does Pete dress Very most good. days? And, and she says to me, she laughs and says, Mike, Pete always wears a white shirt, golf shirt, logo eyes with our company logo on it. All right. And I said, oh, yeah. what happens if he's got to go upstairs to see Mr. Big, Vito? And she laughs and she says, Mike, Behind his office door, when you go in, you'll see a suit hanging in a bag. Very good. <laughs> white Very shirt good. And yes. He changes real fast. So I went out there uh, wearing mm-hmm. a Sandler golf shirt and closed the deal. Yes, yes. And everyone says you can't close a deal on a Fortune 1000, leave with a check. Yes. But I did. Yes. Um, there's a book. I, I believe this is the book. Um, Swim with the Sharks. I can't remember who wrote that book. But anyway, it was It was like the Well, yeah, it may have been McKay. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was that one. It might have been the one, what they don't teach you at Harvard Business School. Anyway, uh, the it was uh, a sports figure who wanted to hire someone to do hit, to manage him and to get commercials for him. And so the sports figure, very famous sports, sports figure, was dressed very, you know, dressed in cutoffs or, you know, just very, very casual. So the gentleman went in to apply for the job, and he was dressed very much like the sports figure. Mm-hmm. You know, sports cap and all this. Well, guess what? Sports, sports guy was wearing, was wearing a suit. No, he was not wearing a suit, but he said, I'm not going to hire him because if I want somebody, when I have somebody going out and representing me, I want them to look great. So, you know, you well, have to... Do some homework and find out what's going to be expected. Um, also, you mentioned dress, dress for Success, which was John Malloy. That's right, I remember. Yes, and I heard John Malloy speak in Cincinnati just around the time I was starting my business. And, you know, his first book was written for mostly for men, um, you know, dressing appropriately, suit and all. And then he also had something for women. But when I went to hear him speak, one of the things he said Take your uh, take some advice about what they teach in the modeling schools, and then he launched into this posture and walking thing, and I thought, oh boy, I can really do that, you know. And that's one of the things that I also incorporate in my programs is your professional presence when you walk into that room. And you know, I learned that early on when I when we we had an agency as well where we placed people in television commercials. We'd have people come in from New York to hire local talent. Well, Mike, you and I know that if we have somebody come all the way across town, we're going to take 15 or 20 minutes to interview them. Mm-hmm. Well, not so with these agency people who come in to interview. 20 they, seconds. Huh? 20 seconds. You walk in the room, and there's something upstairs that says to them, okay or not okay. You might be in there a full minute at the most. Or, or you might all be in a room together, and they'll just simply look around the room and point out and say, you, you, and you, and everybody else can leave. Chorus line. Yeah. It's not always the, and it's not always the handsomest or the prettiest, most attractive person that's picked. It's the one who exudes some confidence, their posture, when, they're, when they walk in, you know, holding their ribcage up out of the waist, 
standing tall. That's right. Exactly. That's how you do it. Um, it makes all the difference in the world. You look now, interested in your and doing the job. When we come back from a short commercial break, which right. we're going to take now, we're going to talk about posture all right. for job interviews. Very good. I would like to do that. That sounds good. Great. We're going to take a short break. And again, if you wanted to call in and ask Marja Wade Barrett a question, you can call in at 646-595-4916. When you hear about a typical sales training program, does it usually involve a one or two day seminar where some alleged guru passes down what he claims are the secrets to making sales? At Roth & Associates, I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. We recognize that truisms and motivating speeches aren't enough to arm sales teams with the tools they need for success. Sales is a hard business. Typical sales training can only provide typical and disappointing results. At Roth & Associates, we use the Sandler methodology of continual reinforcement and ongoing training seminars along with individual coaching to ensure victory in the world of sales. We've been doing it here in Cincinnati for over 15 years. You won't fail because I won't let you. Roth & Associates, 513-646-6523. 513-646-6523. On the web at Roth. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Marjorie Wade Barrett, and we were going to talk about posture, posture, and maybe even appearance mm -hmm. on a job yes. interview. Yes, professional presence is what I like to call it. That's a good word, professional you, yes, presence. Yes, professional presence. When you walk in, you know, we hear that expression, you only have one chance to make a first impression. And so what do you notice first when someone comes into a room? What are the things you, what, what is the thing you notice? You usually take the whole person in, in one glance. Now, I did have one person say to me once, I look at the shoes first which tells me you better have those shoes polished. But, yes, you, you, that person coming in, you're either going to think, oh, this person looks interesting. But if they walk in kind of slumped or their head down, uh, unsure of themselves, that's going to register. The nonverbal speaks louder than the visual. So be sure, or your visual actually speaks louder than the nonverbal. Nonverbal. Am I saying that right? Well, it's the posture. The posture. Of the, of the way they walk in. The way they walk in. Yes. Uh, with Before the they open their mouth. Before they open their mouth. Yes. The chin, you know, parallel to the floor. The shoulders relaxed. Uh, the rib cage up out of the waist. Hands at the side of the body. 
do not put hands in your pocket. Do not have one hand in your pocket while you extend to shake hands with the person who's going to interview you. Keep both hands at the side of your body. Mm -hmm. And when you do meet that person, just incline your body slightly forward as you extend your hand to give a nice warm handshake. Yes, and always get in, always into the web there of the thumb. Don't grab their fingers because that's going to be a little awkward. Right. All right. Yes. And we we actually teach a lot on on handshakes. Yes. There a whole a whole lot. You've had thirty milliseconds, I say, to match and mirror the shake that, that the prospect get or, or the potential employer gives you, because if if they give you the crusher handshake, they're expecting the crusher back. Yes. You can't give them the lightweight. Oh, yes. In my book, I also talk about um, um, Mark Gaffney's book, which he's a spiritual um, teacher, and he refers to the handshake as being a soul print. And I thought, yes, when you meet someone, you know, have you ever shake? Do you ever shake hands with somebody and they just kind of glance past you or look look beyond you to see if there's somebody else around in the room too? You know. Uh, but when you actually shake hands with somebody, you look at their eyes. This is a soul print. This is something that's Eye contact. Very important. Actually is number two, right behind the match and mirror of the pressure, the duration, yes. the amplitude of that handshake. Yes. Uh, it, it's something that really uh, fouls up a lot of people. And we were talking about this before the show started that in, in different societies... Yes, you have to be a little careful about uh, too much eye contact. For example, in the Japanese society, there's not a lot of eye contact. Um, you will you will certainly make some eye contact, but then you won't continue like in a staring mode. Not as much eye contact as we have. And the same thing is, is spatial as well. You won't stand quite as close when you shake hands. Right, but with a Japanese mm -hmm. person, if you hand them your business card, it's with with both with, with two hands. With two hands, with the facing the card facing towards them, so they can read it, and then you would take it with both of your hands, and you would hold on to that card while you were in conversation with them. You would not take that card and put it away immediately. Neither would you take the card and put it in your billfold and then put your billfold in your back pocket because you would be sitting on it and that would be an insult. Right. You want you to put it in a short pocket. Either or a, a short pocket, pocket or in um yes, pocket jacket pocket or it's a compliment to put that card into the case wherever you took your own card from as well. So it's a nonverbal introduction of yourself and they treat these cards very respectfully. If you meet someone here from Japan and you have their card and they take your card, they will take your card back and file it. And if you go to Japan, they will have that card and pull it right out. Another thing you don't want to do when you're interacting with someone from Japan, uh, and that is to write on the card. Now, when you go back to your office, you may need to make a couple of notes, perhaps on the back of the card, perhaps the phonetic uh, pronunciation of their name and or maybe a couple of other important points that you want to remember. Uh, but that's true, I think. I mean, when somebody does give you a business card, like here in the U.S., there should be a reason why we give a card to each, one, each other, not just fling the card around the table or around a business meeting, just, you know, 
indiscriminately. I find it really helpful to carry around a small Sharpie pen to jot a reminder on the back of the card for myself what I'm going to do with it. Yes. I kind of label them on a scale of 1 to 10. That's good. Uh, 10 means I'm absolutely, positively must going to make a call to this person to contact them. Yes. A 1 means, yeah, it can be filed. I'm probably never going to talk to them again, but it was good to meet them. Yes. And 5 is in the middle. Uh, And by having a small Sharpie with you, you avoid all the problems that these slick-coated business cards cause because you can't write on them with a regular oh, pen. yes, right. Okay? The, yes. the other thing that I tell our, our clients to do who have Japanese or Chinese clients is to have a card that's printed on two sides. Yes. One side right. is English and the other side is that's right. the language of choice. So if you're going mm-hmm. to Japanese, uh, Japan, Korea, and China, mm-hmm. since most yes. business cards only have two sides, you might need three or four different cards for those locations. Yes, that's that's good. That's very good. Yeah. I, I haven't figured out how to do a three- or four-sided business card yet. Of course, you could do it with folds. <laughs> All right. Uh, that, that, that's possible. Uh, the, the other uh, issue that we, that we run into with um, a lot of different Orientals and cultures, one of the things about Cincinnati is that uh, when I got here, they said, hey, everyone's German. You're not going to have a problem with culture. Uh, and then I discovered, well, that's not necessarily true. We have people from other cultures here. We have um, American Indians. We have uh, Asian Indians, uh, as well as all types of Dutch, Orientals. Holland, right. German, So let's talk first Italian. about, about uh, Asian Indians a, 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 and the simple yes, no, nod of the head. Okay, yes. Yes. A, a yes in a typical yes. Western culture is up and down. That's right. That's and a no right. is back, back and, and forth. forth. That's right. Now, yes. uh, is that also true in the Asian uh, cultures? In the Asian cultures? Um, I'll tell you, I'm not sure about the Asian cultures. Um, on on the shaking of the head, whether up and down or back and forth, uh, with Somebody from with Belgium, yes, it would be opposite that. It would be the shaking the head back and forth would mean yes, up and down would mean no. No, that's no. right. Now, when you say the Asian cultures, my experience has been that they they don't like to say no. They won't say no. I'm glad you brought that up because mm-hmm. we 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 would would teach that uh, to our clients that. Uh, an Asian Indian, uh, not an Asian, a Japanese person, a Chinese yes. person, when you ask them, uh, do you like this color, uh, black? They, the, will, they won't commit. They will, they not, will say yes. Sure. And that means... Or they'll smile and just shake their head. Well, the first yeah. first time you ask the yeah. question, that means they actually uh, heard the words. Yes. You spoke loud enough to be perceived. Right. So you have to ask a question the second time. Do you like this uh, shade of black here on the green background? And the second time they say, ah, yes. The English translation of that is they now understand the context and meaning of your question, but it is not an answer to the question. It's just the polite form of acknowledgement. So if you want the really how they feel, 
you have to say the question a third time. But when you have the black on the green ink here in the left corner, uh, do you think that's appropriate? And then, by culture, they're allowed to tell you how they really feel, and they can say, no, this is wrong. Yes, yes. But you got to ask the question three, three times. Three times, yes. They're very reluctant to um, um, disagree because they're in their culture, it's striving for harmony mm-hmm. in relationships. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that uh, everyone feels comfortable mm-hmm. that we're working with. Yes. So when we're uh, working with uh, European companies, yes. are there any specific uh, cultural hints that you can, or etiquette hints that you could give uh, our listeners? Yes. Well, you know, almost any place you go in the world today, things are a bit more formal than we have them here in the USA. We are very, we're, we're pretty informal. We're on first name basis. Whereas you go to Europe, some of the European countries, and you don't address people by their first name. You don't assume that you can call them by their first name. You will address them by their titles. Mr., Ms., Madam, uh, doctor, and so you need to be aware of that. But also, I I stress in programs that you need to know the social skills, the social courtesies that we have here in the USA. When you know our own social courtesies about how to do introductions and this sort of thing, then you're able to adapt more easily when you're going into these other countries. Uh, just the way greetings are handled and uh, and and courtesies are extended. Lots of please and thank you and your welcomes are, are are important when you're interacting with people of other countries, whether they are here or whether you are in their country. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, we like to say that people like to buy from people like themselves. Yes. So when someone says in their office or you've gone out to visit them, would you like a cup of coffee? Our stock answer is, mm-hmm. are you going to have one? Yes. And if they say, I'm going to have tea... And you say, gee, I'd like to try the same thing. All right. And, you know, you just brought up something that reminded me of something else, and that is when you are invited, let's say someone here in the U.S., you have a contact, uh, perhaps somebody, maybe you want to do some exporting with China or importing or whatever, um, or establish a presence in China. And you are, you they they enter, they invite you to go to lunch, you don't dare say I'm too I, I'm busy that day or I can't do it. You do make an appointment. You do go. You do accept hospitality, because unless you establish a relationship, you're not going to do business. Mm-hmm. So you would never say um, or try to get out of something like that. It's interesting you mentioned that the first computer system that I ever sold in New York many many years ago was the Seiko watch. Everyone in the company was Japanese, except for the American controller. And he's the guy who spearheaded the deal for me. And we had a sign that was installed. They paid for it, and the the head Japanese fellow said, let's all go to lunch. And I guess luckily that day I didn't have any plans, so I said, sure, it sounds good. And the, the American controller looked at me real funny. And so, you know, we cleaned up and we walked walked down to a Japanese restaurant in Manhattan and uh, the American controller held the door for the Japanese gentleman to go in ahead of me 
and he held me back at the door as I was about to go in. And he said, Mike, this is an authentic Japanese place. Don't order from the menu. Don't listen to what the other guys order. Just order the same thing as me. (laughs) (laughs) I became really good friends with the people at Seacoast. Okay. All right. That's good. But, you know, along these lines, I have to tell you of an experience I had when um, I, I was going to lunch with a group of Japanese business people going to a Japanese restaurant first time having lunch with them. Mm -hmm. And so fortunately they did sit at one of the tables where they had the well where you could put your legs down and I didn't have to try to sit on my legs, you know. Yes, the authentic Japanese restaurant. Yes, authentic Japanese restaurant, yes. And they all had chopsticks and at my place they had utensils. Mm. Well, I said, may I also have chopsticks? They all smiled from ear to ear. Oh, you want chopsticks too? Yes. And, you know, I had been practicing for a year on using chopsticks. Every time I went to a Chinese restaurant, I used chopsticks. The first time, five minutes, I put them down and used my knife and fork. As I went through that year, and, you know, maybe I'd go once every three or four weeks. but uh, And then I practiced a little bit at home, too. But by the end of the year, I was pretty good at using those chopsticks. Uh, but, you know, the Chinese will say to us, because I have worked with Chinese on our uh, to work with our customs as well, uh, using knives and forks. And I remember one teacher said to me, after five minutes, she said, oh, I'm so tired from trying to use the knife and fork. And I said, now you know how I felt the first time I used chopsticks. But you will, you know, if you're going to, you know, do as in Rome as the Romans do, is that mm-hmm. the way That's the direction goes? Sure. So if you're going to uh, be doing business with Japanese or Chinese, learn to use the chopsticks. Good. We're going to take a short commercial break. And again, if you want to call in and ask uh, Marja a question, 646-595-4916. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513 513- 646-6523. Or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, Marja Wade Barrett. And we want to go back for a second to introductions. Yes. Well, all I wanted to say about that was, you know, when you meet someone, what does it say uh, when that when you walk up to someone uh, to meet them and they remain seated. You know, whenever you meet someone for the first time or thereafter, or an introduction is made, you always stand. You never, ever remain seated. There was a time, now here we get maybe some of the gender issues, there was a time when women could remain seated, but no longer. You know, unless you happen to be the Queen of England, perhaps mm-hmm. you might remain seated. But today, you always stand when you meet someone 
and you give them that nice warm handshake. Um, and you know, just recently talking about international again, uh, I was doing some protocol protocol sessions for the World Choir Games, and I was asked, well, when I meet you know someone in the delegation from Japan, and they bow, am I supposed to bow? Not necessarily, but it's nice when you meet someone to just kind of uh, tilt, incline your head slightly forward. You know, they used years ago, and you'll see this in some of these old etiquette books, where a gentleman would kind of doff his hat. Well, that's about it. It's just sort of a head nod. You're acknowledging the other person. And in many cultures, there's many ways of doing this. In India, hands will be folded, you know, namaste, which means I recognize the divine within you or I honor you. Uh, so there's ways of greeting people. And by the way, if you are going to another country, it's always good to know just a couple of phrases, a couple of words, few words in that language. Hello, thank you. Um, it really shows. You, you, well, you will notice a difference if you can address someone in, in another culture in their language. For example, if you're in India, say namaste. You will see that they will smile from ear to ear. When I was in Kenya, I learned how to say jumbo. Well, whenever we got on the a coach to, to do or into the vehicle to do our drives, they would be friendly. They would say hello to us. But if I said jumbo, oh, you should see them smile from ear to ear. Yes, you know, that's that's the way you do it. Um, when you're talking someone else's language. You're talking someone else's language, and you build you can build rapport that way, yes. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a business environment, in a business environment, what do you think are the biggest things that that people omit that hurts them? Not being a good listener, being in, inconsiderate, uh, not being a good listener in that um, they are thinking ahead. Instead of listening to you, they're thinking about what they want to say. And I know you include this in your seminars. Very important to be a good listener. Uh, Consideration of others, not being the first one out the door, taking a second and holding that door for the person in back of you. Don't assume uh, because you're the woman that a, a man is going to hold the door open for you all the time. You may indeed be holding the door open for gentlemen. Um, as far as uh, the social skills that are needed in the workplace today, I think that's it. You know, we are working today so closely together in cubicles, and I think we need to be more aware and more conscious of uh, of the way we interact with our coworkers. In our conversation, what are appropriate topics? What are inappropriate topics? And that's important. And, and the, this other little device here, we all seem to be carrying around some of us more than one of these cell phones. Yes. These can be major distractions. Yes. Um, I was in a theater just recently, and the woman pulled out her cell phone, and the glare of that was actually very distracting for me. I had to take my hand and put it up next to my eye so that I could see the screen without that distraction. But I'll tell you something else that's even, to me, even worse. And that and you know that by the way, I was speaking at a rotary club up in northern Ohio and before I went in to speak, well it was the same day in fact, several people came up to me and said, Would you please talk about not texting during a meeting? 
you know, we sit at round tables. In this particular Rotary mm-hmm. Club, they were sitting at round tables. I think most of them do. Most do, yes. Yes. And she said, you know, even though the speaker can't see, we at the table can see. And it looks so very rude for someone to be texting while they're in a meeting. I think even just using the word texting mm-hmm. uh, isn't inclusive enough. Yes. Because I know I see at any Rotary meeting probably 10 or 15% of the people who are either reading or sending emails. Yes. Uh, in addition to texting. Yes. And they, some of them are even off in other applications. Yes. These phones do all kinds of things. Yes, I know. I know. Um, you you don't think it looks... It, you don't think people are paying much attention, but believe me, they do. They see this, and it does look rude. And I was. Well, at, it makes the person who is doing the texting or sending an email or reading an email look poor. It looks poor, yes. I was at another big conference meeting and uh, sitting in the back, about 500 people there, and the gentleman next to me was texting. And um, I didn't say anything, uh, but after the meeting was over, and they had an international speaker, the gentleman next to him came over and said to him, that was very rude for you to text during that speech. And it really was. This was a keynote speech, and it was fantastic. And, you know, the man missed it. He missed the whole thing. And, you know, when you, you asked me a moment ago, what is the um, uh, worst, not the worst, but what, what holds a person back or what what are the things that they do? Some of the faux pas. Some of the faux pas. And that is, not being respectful, not being respectful of our coworkers, and you know we have to think of our coworkers as also being our clients and our customers. You know we depend upon them to if we have to for introductions and referrals, even if they're not directly. That's right. Or if you happen to be out one day, you may need that person to take your information or take calls for you or or handle things for you. And, and it could be this. A social event. Yes, know? that's right. It could be at a pool party this time of year. Yes. Uh, so we have to be careful of all of those uh, social graces. Yes, being respectful. And, you know, uh, this, uh, another thing, you know, you mentioned pool parties. and I, I think of, you know, a couple of instances where people had one too many. And I always think of pool parties <laughs> as dangerous events. Yes, right. And this happened at a country club um, where... Um, a gentleman was actually blackballed from the club because he had too much to drink, and then he decided to get up and give a toast. And the toast was inappropriate. Now, he had been put up for membership. Well, someone who was uh, on the board uh, had been there when that toast was given, and um, he didn't get in. Now, the, the thing of it is, when I was at a meeting, the name was given to me. I mean, they mentioned this person's name, and I knew the person. And you know what? I thought, oh, I couldn't believe it. And I thought, that's a shame, because they would have been so lucky to have gotten this man in their membership. But just one thing like that. You know, sometimes we have one, just one drink, and we think we're a bit witty, well, and so we will say something inappropriate. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you and I've seen this at Rotary Clubs, you put the microphone in the hand of someone who's perfectly sober and you've inflated their ego so much that they don't even know what they're saying. Yes, I can believe that too. <laughs> That's true. Well, you know, we're, we're down to the last couple of minutes here. 
and I, and I don't want to forget to give you this this book, Marjorie. Uh, Thank you. This is a the newest Sandler book, the Eleven uh, Sandler Insight Principles, which will help you make your business even more successful than oh, it's been. Oh, that sounds wonderful. This book uh, was released on April twenty fourth and moved to the number one position on Amazon that day. Fantastic. And moved the next week to the number one position on the Wall Street Journal. And it's the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom. That's wonderful. This, this book will help you make an extra million dollars. I also Oh, and I've got the million dollars in there, too. Well, thank you. And you're doing a wonderful work here. So well, we, thank you so much, Mike. We want to help all the businesses. Is, is yes. there, is there uh, in the, the two minutes or so that's left, can you, can you think of one hint that you can give to our business leaders that will help them? To the business, just to the business leaders or the, to everyone? To everyone. To okay. everyone. Everyone here in Cincinnati, the positive side. All right. Don't be afraid to ask for information. If you're not quite sure about something, make some phone calls. Don't be afraid. Just, you know, the, for example, um, you might have a meeting coming up and it may be with someone and you're not quite sure of how to interact. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, our World Choir Games right now when we mm-hmm. have ambassadors and all this coming in. Uh, don't be afraid to make the phone call and uh, ask for help. You know, there's plenty of help out there. Yeah, we always say it's okay to ask a lot of questions and spend 70% of your time listening and 30, that's, 30% that's talking. That's very good. And there's another expression, we're giving two ears to hear, so we hear, and only one mouth, so we hear more than we speak. Good. Yes. Thanks very much again, Marjorie, for coming in. And uh, Thank you. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Scott, why don't you uh, take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.